Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. It is 5 September 2023. I'm Dr. Lee Warren here on the Self-Brain Surgery with Dr. Lee Warren podcast. In case you're new around here, we had over 200 new people sign up for the newsletter yesterday. And so I suspect that there may be some folks that this is the first time you've ever heard this show. And welcome aboard. If so, we had an amazing opportunity to have a guest post on Ann Boskamp's blog yesterday. And there's always a whole bunch of new folks that come along when Ann does something. And we're so grateful that you found us, if you're new here. Um, we're, we're here about trying to change our minds and change our lives. Life is hard. It brings these massive things to us. And when it does, there's a plan. There's a way to remain resilient and to find your way back to hope. There's a treatment plan. That's what my brand new book is about. Hope is the first dose. Well, so we're grateful for Ann uh publishing that yesterday. And if you are one of the folks that got here from Ann Voskamp, thank you so much for checking things out. Today is an, is an episode where we're going to go back in time, all the way back to 2015, because Thursday night, two days from now, uh, at 5 p.m. Central Time, Max Lucado and I are going to sit down via the magic of Zoom and have a one-hour conversation about the neuroscience and the faith elements of hope. We're going to talk about my book. We're going to talk about hard stuff. We're going to talk about how to find the light again. And if you have gone through a massive thing, some kind of trauma or tragedy or loss or pain, anything that's really hard, or you're a caregiver or love someone who is or has gone through something like that, this is going to be a great opportunity to pick Max's brain. Max, of course, is probably the most successful living Christian writer, um, maybe of all time. He's sold hundreds of millions of books, and he's been successful not because he's got a formula, but because he breaks down gospel and biblical truths and helps us see how they can impact our lives today and help us find hope and move forward. And Max and I are going to talk and he's going to ask me some questions and I'm going to ask him some questions. And you can sign up for that for free. You do have to sign up to get the link to come in. But Baker Bookhouse up in Michigan is hosting this event and it's absolutely free. You don't even have to have bought the book or read the book, but it would be helpful if you buy the book and read it. It would be helpful to kind of guide your thinking. You can even, when you register, they ask you to submit a question. You don't have to submit a question, but I think to get the free ticket to come, come into the event, you have to type something into that box. But we're going to go through a few of those questions and we're going to answer some of them. And I think it would be helpful to you. But back in 2015, was the first time that Max was ever on the show. And he talked about the greatest news ever. Like, What's the best news that you can ever imagine? And this world right now, friend, eight years after that, needs some good news. And I thought in preface to the conversation that Max and I are going to have on Thursday night, and by the way, the link is Baker, B-A-K-E-R, BakerBookHouse.com slash events, E-V-E-N-T-S, bakerbookhouse.com slash events and you can sign up for free to get your ticket digital ticket and link to jump in at 5 p.m on thursday night central time to listen to me and max have a talk about hope and today i thought it just whet your appetite for that we're going to go back to the very first time max was ever on the podcast way back when i was calling it the you start today podcast the very first year that I was podcasting. I think it was May of 2015, so I'd been at it about a year by then. And Max was so kind to come into this inexperienced podcaster's show and have a wonderful talk, almost an hour. 
And it's going to give you some blessings today. As you may hear us talking about some things that were contemporary to that time. So don't get caught up if we talk about something that was happening in 2015. This is a timeless message about the greatest news ever with my friend Max Licato. And I hope that you'll join us on Thursday night. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be an amazing talk about neuroscience and faith and doubt and fear and anxiety and massive things and how we can always flex and land on hope because of the greatest news ever that Max is going to remind us about today. Remember, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And Lisa's about to tell us the really, really good news is that you can always start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Hey, my friend, Dr. Lee Warren here. Welcome to You Start Today. I am so thankful that you've joined me on the podcast today because without a doubt, this is the most important episode of the You Start Today podcast ever. Today, we're going to hear from one of America's best-selling authors, Max Lucado. Max has sold millions of books, but I didn't invite him here today to impress you with his success or to teach you how to become a famous writer like he is. On this episode of the You Start Today podcast, Max Lucado will share with us the greatest news in the history of the world. This is huge news. This, in fact, this is the life-changing news. That changes everything. The biggest, the greatest news in the history. That is a life-changing discovery, Lee. My friend, I don't know what you're doing right now. You might be driving. You might be working out. Or like my friend Wynn, you might be replacing somebody's knee or hip. But whatever you're doing, I would encourage you to turn this up, to play it at normal speed, to pay attention. Because the conversation you're about to hear contains the most important information you'll consider in your entire life. I'm not exaggerating that. And let me explain why. If you want the best life you can possibly have, I think you would agree with me that being at peace in your heart, being comfortable in your own skin, and having a sense that you understand your purpose in life and your destiny are essential components. And one of the key elements common to all those things is to settle what you believe concerning spiritual matters. Today's guest, Max Lucado, has achieved more personal success than I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast. But that's not why he's on the show. I didn't ask him here to talk about how to become rich and famous. I asked Max to come on to the You Start Today podcast, and he graciously agreed to do so because he has carefully sought out the answers to the two biggest questions of life. And he's discovered the greatest news in history. No matter what you believe, these 39 minutes 
This interview is about 39 minutes, and it will help you in your life, I promise. Even if you don't agree with Max's conclusions, I think you'll be better off for thinking through them with him. I saved Max's bio for now because if you don't know who he is, if you've never heard of Max Lucado, I didn't want to tell you who he was before I told you why I invited him here. Because some people see titles like pastor, preacher, inspirational author, and they think, oh, that's not for me. I didn't want you to turn this off because you were afraid of the label or you didn't like what Max might stand for if you don't come from that kind of a background until I told you why I thought this episode was so important. Trust me. Remember, I'm a brain surgeon. I want you to turn this up, pay attention, and listen to my friend Max Lucado. I promise you, you'll thank me later. Now, let me introduce him. And then we'll get started. Max Lucado is a preacher with a storyteller's gift. He has a pastor's heart and a poet's pen. He serves as the pastor at the Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas. That's where we met him uh, 10 years ago. Max was my pastor when I worshiped there at, at Oak Hills. He's been on the staff at Oak Hill since 1988. He preaches and writes to the hurting, the guilty, the lonely, the discouraged. And his message is simple. God loves you. Let him. That message has traveled around the world in more than 54 languages. More than 120 million individual products have been sold. Most of those products are books. Max has sold over 92 million books as of the time of this recording. And he's occupied spots on every major national bestseller list. Anyone you can think of, New York Times down to your local newspaper's bestseller list have had Max Lucado's name on them. Over the years, Max Lucado's been featured in countless national media outlets. He's been dubbed America's pastor by Reader's Digest, and he was named one of the most influential social media leaders in the world by the New York Times. My friend, I can't wait for you to meet Max Lucado. Let's go. Max, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You're kind to have me on. It's uh, it's really great to have you take your time uh, to be with us on You Start Today today. And just uh, I've told the folks um, your official bio, but tell us your story, Max. Tell us who you are. Well, I uh, I live in San Antonio, Texas. I uh, I love working with uh, messages and and uh, working with people. I really get a lot of excitement and enjoyment. Uh, when I feel like I've uh, had a good heart-to-heart conversation with somebody about a, a tough topic <clears throat> or even presented a message that seemed to connect with people. Uh, I've, I've uh, been a Christian since uh, a follower of Christ since I was 20, so that's 40 years now. And uh, the, uh, the call to missionary work came early for me. I went to Brazil, and uh, that was my first chapter of missions, of of ministry, and then came to San Antonio in 1988, and I've I've been here ever since. Uh, Marriage has been great. Uh, Caught caught a great woman on a bad day. She wasn't paying attention, and uh, God has given us three delightful daughters, and we're about to have our first grandbaby in the next two to three weeks, so pretty pumped about that, and... uh, and I broke 80, I'm sorry, I broke 90 on the golf course uh, last week. So that was good news. So it's, is good. everything's good. That's good. And along the way, you started writing books. Um, yeah. How many books have you published now? Well, it all depends on how you count them. Uh, if you throw everything in, children's books, fiction books, gift books, and then what to me is kind of the bread and butter, the uh, Christian uh, nonfiction books for grownups. Uh, there's about 70 of those. Wow. Uh, 
the, the ones that really require the work, the Christian nonfiction adult books, uh, I just finished number 34 mm. uh, about two months ago uh, on that one. And uh, I typically do one of those a year and have for all these years. And uh, many of those, uh, as you know, Lee, come out of messages that I prepare for our church. Uh, they're not transcribed sermons because uh, we really take them and clean them up and rework them. But uh, but they begin, they have their birth as, uh, as sermons, uh, messages that I prepare for our church. Uh, what's the new one that will be coming out? What's that one uh, called and about? Uh, the next release is in September, and it's called Glory Dates. And uh, it's it's a real fun topic for me. It's basically uh, this idea of uh, why do so many Christians find the Christian life unfulfilling? What's missing? Mm. What's missing? Uh, there's been some fascinating. I know this isn't our topic, so I won't chase the rabbit too far. But the the uh, there's some really some interesting research. Uh, that's come out in the last two or three years, the most comprehensive interview study of uh, Christians that's done in probably 30 years. And it suggested that uh, only 11% of uh, everybody who calls himself a Christian would describe their Christian life as thriving or vital. And that really perplexed me and interested me. And so, uh, as of course, you know, if if only 11% of a if a baseball team's only winning 11% of its games, the coach is going to say, wait, something's not right. So I, I dug into that and, and uh, ended up with this book called Glory Days, and uh, it'll come out in, in September. Wow, that sounds great. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how, how your books in my life always seem to, to hit something I'm, I'm struggling with right then. Um, and, and it, folks, I just encourage you, if you've never read Max Lucado, just uh, just dig in and, and start um, – start getting to know him it's, it's worth your time so max um all your books come around to to jesus in one way or the other um tell, tell us about jesus and why he's real to you who he is to you okay well the the big the big uh, aha moment for me uh in terms of jesus <clears throat> excuse me happened when i was 20 i said that's really when my faith began uh sometime in my college years uh this whole theme of, of, of the empty tomb of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, uh, it began to dawn on me. That's the deal maker, the deal breaker. Uh, if the tomb is empty, uh, then Jesus is who he says he was. If the tomb is occupied, then billions upon billions of us have been suckered into the biggest hoax in all of humanity. So in, in my own mind, I've just come to believe that the Easter promise is true. Uh, and, and, and I don't follow any unprecedented logic in this. Many people have followed the same line of thought, but it just made sense to me. Uh, and that is that, uh, how else do you explain what happened, uh, in the birth of Christianity, except that, that, that Jesus rose from the dead? Uh, if he didn't come out of the tomb, then it would have been very easy for the enemies of Jesus in the Jewish culture to produce the body and uh, bring it into the church before it began as all the in- excitement began around the New Testament church. Uh, or the Romans, uh, it was a high insult to a Roman soldier that somebody could have stolen the, the, the body 
uh, and yet they couldn't have proven otherwise, or, or they would have. Uh, the disciples, if they were the ones who took the body, uh, <laughs> you know, 11 of 12 of them historically were martyrs for their faith. Right. I don't believe that people, 11 of 12 people can be martyrs for a lie. Uh, and so as, as I reasoned through what happened on that Easter morning, I just came to believe that that there really was a vacated tomb, that, that Jesus did exactly what he said he, he would do he, three times while he was alive. He said, I'll be killed, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be in the tomb for three days, and then I'll come out. Uh, and so that was, for me, uh, Lee, the birth of my faith. Uh, I began to realize that the Christian faith is not an allegiance to a religion, but it's an allegiance to a person, to a being, to Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't try to defend everything that has been done in the name of Christianity through the years. It nauseates me as, as much as it does anybody. Uh, I believe that the Christian faith is really a, a pursuit of a relationship with God through this Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe that everybody's going to stumble and fumble in this and terrible things are going to happen. But uh, as, as I've grown in my faith, I've come to realize that 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 uh, core belief in the empty tomb uh, is enough. And, and, and you see, if I believe in the empty tomb, then that gives me ability to believe in what Jesus said about life. He becomes the authority for me. He becomes the authority. If, if I don't believe in the empty tomb, then I don't. Then someone else is the authority. I'm the authority, or society is the authority. But but for me, Jesus is the authority on how to have a great life and where we're headed after life and all these huge questions. Uh, and so, if he did vacate the tomb, then what he says about heaven is what I'm going to believe. What he says about uh, loving your enemy, that's what I'm going to believe. What he says about money, I'm going to try to obey that. I don't succeed always. But the big thing is that what Jesus says about forgiveness. And here's what separates Christianity from any other religion in the history of the world. Jesus uh, offered to die for our sins. And his, his, his teaching is that we cannot pay for our sins. We can't be good enough. But he was and he is. And his death on the cross was a substitutionary death. He, he took my place. And so uh, that, that leads me then to believe that not only uh, did he vacate the tomb, but he paid for all my sins. And those are the two big questions in life, guilt and death, the guilt and the grief. And so uh, that's, where I, that's where I land. Wow. That's, that's probably the best encapsulation of Christian theology, folks, that you could hope to hear in a short period of time. Thank you for that, Max. Max, there's probably somebody out there listening who, who might say, well, that's all well and good. You know, Jesus was clearly a, a great prophet or a great guy. Um, but how do you deal with, with this, this thought process of maybe Jesus is just one of many possible paths to God or paths to heaven? How do you respond to that? Yeah, and I, I sure understand that. Uh, here, here's the deal. Uh, again, remember that the, the claim of Christ regarding access to God is that we are we are incapable of doing it on our own right in other words uh, no matter how many good things I do uh, I cannot build a bridge to God out of my good things that I do uh, he the, 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 the Christian the, the, the teaching of Christianity is that we have access to God through grace through a gift of God not through things we do. 
if if you want to really do an oversimplification of world religion, it comes down to this. There, there are two views. Uh, one says we access God by what we do. The other says we access God by what God has done for us. Uh, every religion except Christianity says we access God by what we do. Now, that makes perfect sense to me until I try to do it. Right. But uh, uh, it, it basically says if you're good enough, you will go to heaven. If you're good enough, you'll be reincarnated. If you're good enough, you'll see God in some form or fashion, if you're good enough. So all, all of the access to God depends upon me. Uh, Jesus said, you know, the, 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 the fact is we're not good enough and we're never going to be good enough. For that reason, Jesus is God made flesh and the only perfect person who ever lived. And when he died, he died that substitutionary death for me so that I accept him. I accept his gift. So there's really uh, only two roads. There's not one way to God. There's two. One says, I'm going to save myself. And the other is, I'm going to let God save me. Now, for a, for a person to say there's only one way to heaven, uh, and, and that way is through Jesus Christ, that sounds very exclusionary. It sounds uh, almost um, pompous. But the truth of the matter is, if you believe that you can save yourself, then you don't need Jesus. Right. If you don't believe you can save yourself, then these other options are off the table. And so it's it's uh, it, it's it, two ways are not possible. <laughs> the wow. two are mutually exclusive. Does that make sense? It does. You, you can't say I'm saved by grace and you can't say I'm saved by works. You have to say one or the other. One excludes the other. If you say I'm saved by what I do, then you can't say that Jesus is the way to heaven. If you say I'm saved by trusting Jesus, then you cannot say and be morally honest that every other way works too because they exclude each other. Right. And, and so it's just simply a matter of, you know, if, if you say you're going to Rome, uh, then you don't take a flight to Sydney. It just right. doesn't work. It, 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 there's, there's either this way or that way. And so we all choose. We all choose. Uh, and, and that's why I believe that Christ is the way. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I long ago quit trusting my own good works or my intelligence, but I'm going to trust him. And, uh, and, and that's where I ended up. Jesus kind of excluded himself from that conversation when he said, I am the way, right? I mean, he said it. So if you exactly. believe him, you can't believe the other the other path. It's, it's the old uh, Lord, line, Lord uh, liar or lunatic argument. Right, right. It makes sense. Jesus claimed to be Lord. Either he, if he's not, then he was a liar or he was a lunatic. Right. Or he is still Lord or he was right and he's Lord. And, and, and so... Uh, to, to say that he's just a great moral teacher uh, is that simply doesn't work because he's either a lord or he's a liar or he's a lunatic. Well, those are the three options that, that God has left for us. Right. Well, then I guess on the other side of the, of the coin, you might have a person who who says, well, that sounds great, but if there was really a God, why do all these terrible things happen in our lives? Why, why do people shoot up schools? Or why does my wife get cancer and die? Why does my child die? You know, so when you when you encounter difficult circumstance, how how do you Max sort of address the person who um, maybe chooses not to believe in God or gets mad at God and doesn't want to believe in that God because of hard things that happen? There's really two approaches. Again, if you don't believe in God, then everything is random and things just happen because people are bad people. If you do believe in God, then 
uh, how does a God let these things happen? Is he bad? Is he distant? Is he disconnected? Well, the Bible presents a God who is involved, who is concerned, who is compassionate. How could a God who is involved, concerned, and compassionate let things happen like riots in Baltimore or shootings in uh, an elementary school or, a, or an earthquake in Nepal? How could he let these things happen? Well, the, the, the biblical answer to this is ultimately heaven. Ultimately, heaven is the answer to this. And, and the Bible never, ever, ever suggests that the world as it is is the way the world is intended to be. There's nothing in the Bible that would suggest that, well, this is as good as it gets. Everything in the Bible says, no, we're looking forward. There was a decision made by humanity in its earliest form in Adam and Eve or in the earliest people to turn against God. And so the consequence of that was a fall, a breach in the relationship between God and humanity. God, at that point, declared there would be free will. There would be a choice. And if Adam and Eve and their children choose to turn from God, God was going to let them because the alternative would be a set of robots. So he let them turn from him. And the consequence of that turning away has been for all of these generations, free will. And where there is free will, there are stupid choices. (laughs) Where there is free will, there are mistakes. Where there is free will, I believe, there has even been a uh, an unsettling in the universe, in the physical universe. Uh, this gets a little, you know, mystical for some people, but I believe that there's something that's happened even in the universe that causes things to to get out of balance. And uh, and so, the the short answer then to that question is: God chose to let us choose. He chose to let us choose. He chose to let us have free will. Where there's free will, there are bad decisions. Where there are bad decisions, there are broken hearts. Uh, But since God is loving and since God is sovereign, he has given this promise that he will take all of these bad things and he will use them for something good. He'll redeem them for something good. So I am passed through tough things. You've passed through more than your share of tough things. But God promises, I will redeem those things. I'll make you a better person or I'll use them to shape your character or I'll use them to reveal more of myself. And so God takes those difficult circumstances and he redeems them. The two great promises in the Old, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, what you intended for evil, God used for good. That's the words of Joseph. And uh, uh, everything works together for the good of those who love him. Uh, those are the words of Paul. And so we kind of hang on to those as the sovereign grace of God. He's sovereign, but he's gracious. And we believe that all of these things are going to pass, but till then they're going to be used for good. That's, that's powerful. And l- let me testify, Max, um, the, the quote you just had, the, the story from Joseph, Max's uh, second to most recent book, You'll Get Through This, um, addresses that, how to, how to handle hard things and hard times in your life. And that book came out um, really around the same time that we lost our son uh, almost two years ago. And if you're going through something hard, um, I would recommend that you reach out for that book and let Max pastor you uh, through that hard time. Um, thank you for writing that, Max, and for sharing that with us. So the other thing that happens sometimes is we might believe and we might have encountered Christ and we might even trust him, but maybe some of the things that we've we've done make us feel like maybe we love God, but he couldn't possibly love us. I mean, Max, how do you, how do you talk to somebody who feels like maybe they're just too broken or too far away, too sinful for God to, to reach out for them? Again, I go back to the empty tomb. 
uh, if Jesus actually rose from the dead, then everything he says about the value of humanity is, is reflective of the heart of God. So what did Jesus say about the value of people? Well, boy, we love the Gospels because the people Jesus loved the most were the people that thought they were the most unlovable. A woman caught in the act of adultery, a woman who had been divorced five times, a demoniac, uh, a, a, a scoundrel of a, of a tax collector. Uh, all of these people who were just really, uh, from an earthly perspective, unlovable and who made a mess of their lives. Jesus made a big deal out of loving them. In fact, the most famous people in the Bible are people like Peter, uh, who denied Christ, who cursed Christ. Uh, people like Paul, who who set out to destroy Christianity. Right. Uh, and and the theme that that these people all have in common in their stories is they found not just a, a Jesus who knew them, but a Jesus who loved them. That's why even people who don't know anything about the Bible have heard somebody quote John 3.16 from the Bible. And that that verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loves the world. This is huge news. In fact, this is the life-changing news. It's one thing to say God is. It is something else entirely to say God is love. To, to, to speak of the existence of God is great, but to speak of the existence of a gracious God, that changes everything. And so my contention is that the biggest and greatest news in the Bible and the biggest and greatest news in the history is, is not just that God knows me, but that God loves me. He's fond of us. You're everything to him. He cares deeply about you. And he said more thoughts about you than, than you have hairs on your head and, and there, there are specks of sand on the beach. That's how much God loves us. And that is a life-changing discovery, Lee. It really is. Uh, to, 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 to discover that I'm known and that I'm loved. There is a hole within each one of us that longs to be filled by the love of a father. Every person. Uh, you, you work and you chum around with some of the most successful people in the world. Most brilliant, successful people. And you're one of them. Uh, but I don't care how successful a person is. Uh, they've they've got to know God loves them or they're going to have an empty heart. They're going to be longing to have that emptiness filled. Right. And nothing fills that like like believing in, in, in the fact that God loves you and he's got a great plan for your life. Well, somebody hears that, Max. Somebody listening right now hears you say that and they say, wow, I want, I want some of that. Like, what do they have to do to get that, to get that uh, grace or that love from Christ? Yeah. It really, it's the, the, the word the Bible uses is receive or trust. The, the, these are somewhat passive words, especially compared to, to words we might expect in our culture because we're used to earning uh, and, to, and to deserving. But, it, but it's simply a matter of trusting. It's, it's a, sense, a matter of believing. Uh, you know, that's the promise of, of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, in other words, whoever accepts him. Uh, we see signs of this, though, in our in our daily lives. I've done things that, that would cause my wife to have every reason to, to be mad at me or to kick me out. And sometimes I think, how could she still love me? But she does. She says she does. So I'm, I'm just going to believe that. I'm just going to believe it. Um, uh, and 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 I, I wish there was. No, I'm not. I'm glad there's not a more complex answer. 
Uh, let it be simple. Just say, okay, I'm going to start believing you, Lord. Now it's up to you to reveal yourself to me. And, and that's where it starts. And, and usually just when somebody makes that decision, I mean, right now, literally, as they're listening to this podcast, if somebody says, okay, I'm going to believe, I mean, are they going to, are the lights going to flicker? Or are they going to feel the earth shake? I mean, what, what's the next step? What's going to happen? Yeah. Let me tell you what happens that we do not see. What happens is that God, through his spirit, begins to take up residence in that person. Uh, God begins to live inside that person. Uh, this was the teaching of the Apostle Paul that's so wonderful. Uh, his favorite preposition was in. Christ is in you. Right. Uh, and so some some miracle happens and Christ takes up residence inside us. And we, as we begin to trust Christ and live in Christ, Christ begins to grow inside us. And what you'll find, what your listeners will find is that little by little, day by day, uh, there will be patience where there used to be impatience. There'll be love where there used to be hatred. Uh, there'll be peace where there used to be anxiety. Now, I've seen it both ways, Lee. Uh, probably you've seen this as a physician. Sometimes the healing happens overnight mm-hmm. and everybody stands in amazement. How did that person heal so quickly, so fast? Other times it just takes time. And I wish I knew more how to accelerate the healing or the, the, the growth. That's what fascinated me about what we were talking about earlier, about glory days, why some people really connect and other people get stuck. But that's just another topic. But what what happens, though, is undeniable. And that is a relationship with Christ is born. And then that salvation issue is secure. God, God pledges that he's going to save us. And then he's going to develop us and help us to, to, to grow to be more and more like him. Uh, there have been cases where the people did see lights and they did have visions and they did experience some wonderful things. Most of the time, however, it's it's somewhat subtle. And, uh, and, and that's the way Christ is. He, he's, he's just gentle. He's just gentle. Mm. And so, well, that's powerful. If you're listening and you're, and you're believing, um, maybe send an email and let us know. Max would love to hear, um, that, that this conversation helped you uh, in your walk, right? Max, you'd, you'd love to hear about that. Love to know that. Um, love to. Max, let, let's talk for a minute about, um, just to change the subject for a minute, um, Recently, you released your first um, work of fiction that wasn't for children. Um, t- talk about why you decided to write fiction, and then talk specifically about Miracle of the Higher Grounds Cafe and why you wrote that book. Well, uh, I, I love fiction. I just think that fiction is uh, read by people who don't read nonfiction. You know, a lot of people don't want to pick up a nonfiction book and learn what the Bible says about this particular topic because. Maybe they're students and they spend all day reading books of that sort. And the last thing they want to do is pick up another one for whatever reason. Uh, fiction is a lot more enjoyable to read. It's a lot more enjoyable to write. And, and wonderful things can happen when you tell a story. Uh, and so I, I, I started writing this story on vacation one year and, uh, uh, nothing real complex. Uh, I just had an idea. Uh, what would happen if there was a place where people could ask God any question and God would answer that? Where would that place be? What kind of inner questions would we ask? And so I finally decided, well, it could be in a coffee shop. And, and maybe maybe this coffee shop would be uh, equipped with a special heavenly blog or, or Internet capacity. 
And so then that it started to grow and it took on characters, some of whom are angels, some of whom are struggling people. Uh, and and uh, it ended up where it is. I wrote the first draft of it, uh, Lee, and uh, got it to about, let me see, about 20,000 words. And uh, and it seemed like it was too short for a, for a novel or even a novella. Uh, so I talked to my publisher and they were very interested in publishing it, but they agreed that it seemed short. Uh, I was kind of up to my eyeballs and other projects. And I said, I, I know these two screenwriters, uh, Eric Newman and Candace Lee screenplay writers and, uh, and great bright young people. Uh, they're in their both in their early thirties. They happen to live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I said, what if I, pitched the idea to them of taking it now and expanding it uh, and, and seeing if we could uh, add more layers of uh, relationships and personality development. And so the publisher loved that idea. And, and so Candace and Eric agreed. And they spent about three months uh, working it over. And uh, I think they really took what was a, a Malibu to be a, a Lexus <laughs> in terms of uh, just, just good storytelling. They, I really enjoyed working with them. Well, the the book is beautiful, and you're right. There are people who won't approach nonfiction, but they'll get to the same concepts and ideas through fiction. And I read your book, and my favorite scene, Max, is when the char- the main character Chelsea um, is taken by an angel and gets back in the past and gets to see the cross and what happened on the cross. Um, and you talked about how loneliness is a choice because of the work that happened on the cross. Can you just expound on that for just a, a moment, please? The, the, the beauty of involving angels in a story is that you can uh, you're not bound by time right. and, uh, and and the, the whole story is is imagining what 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 God might do to win someone's heart uh, Chelsea is the main character and she's had a rough go of it uh, she married a jerk of a guy uh, she's had one problem after another happen and uh, she's pretty well given up on God but God hasn't given up on her. She's the one who inherits the coffee shop. Uh, she's the one who inadvertently employs angels uh, in her service, in her, in her coffee shop. Uh, and so one of the big moments is when she uh, is transported back in time and she uh, stands uh, before the cross and is actually there seeing it. And then when she witnesses the resurrection uh, and it's that personal interaction with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that changes her. Uh, I would love to do that in my life. I mean, if, if God were to say, you know, could you go anywhere in the world in history? I would volunteer to be time-traveled, time-lifted back and, and, and witness the crucifixion and resurrection. There's nothing that to me would compare with that. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just, I think it was, it, it those in, in being in those moments in our imagination can change us. And so in the book, uh, I allowed that to be the moment that, that really changed changed Chelsea. Mm. I was I was running. I was on the treadmill listening to the audio book um, in that scene, and I, I started weeping. And I got off the, I got off the treadmill, sat down, um, opened the Kindle version, and, and called my wife into the room and read that out loud to her. Um, because you just hit on the head like, like what it might have felt like to, to be there and to fully understand in one moment what the work on the cross did for us. And Max, what in, in 2015, you know, 2,000 years later, 
like with technology that we have and how advanced we are as a society, why does the cross still matter to us now? Why is it still relevant? What a great question. By the way, you do a great job on these interviews. Oh, thank you. Hey, maybe you should uh, hang up your scalpel. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I will. Hang up your scalpel, take up a microphone. <laughs> Uh, well, the, the, the cross speaks to the two fundamental questions of, of human existence, uh, the grave and guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, we, do we have, is, is, when we die, is, do we leave uh, and enter into the great nothingness uh, or do we enter into something else? And, and, uh, and guilt, every person on the planet uh, has a deep gnawing sense of failure. Uh, in disappointment, they they're disappointed in themselves, and they believe if they're disappointed in themselves, then for sure God must be disappointed in them. So that leads to either being angry at God, or denying God, or running from God, or trying to satisfy God through good works. And none of those end up making us better people. So the death, burial, and resurrection of, of, of Jesus Christ make a huge difference because through that weekend, there is the announcement that death has been defeated. Uh, it's going to happen unless Christ comes first. We're all going to die. But there's this promise of a great u- reunion that we're looking forward to and suppers on the table. Uh, and then number two, there's forgiveness. There is. Here's what's unique and wonderful about the Christian faith. And that is uh, God does not love me more if I'm better. He doesn't love me less if I'm worse. That's, that's just monumental. Uh, he wants me to be better, but he's not going to stop loving me if I screw up. Uh, He's going to keep loving. Failures are a part of life. So God says, here's what I'll do. I'll forgive all those failures. And I'll satisfy the justice part of God's character. uh, I'll satisfy justice through uh, the the, the sacrifice of my own son. But then raising him from the dead proves that even the tomb couldn't hold him back. So everything is satisfied. The justice of God is satisfied. My failures are washed away. My death is defeated. My life has meaning. And so everything happens that weekend. Now, if somebody can prove that Jesus is still in a tomb somewhere, uh, that, 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 that the grave is occupied, that we've all been suckered into a big hoax, then that changes everything. It does. It, Christianity stands or falls uh, on, on the veracity of the empty tomb. And that's just, it all comes down to that. That's why for me, my faith began when I, I, I began to believe that the tomb was indeed vacant. Mm. Powerful stuff from Max Lucado. Max, you, you've sold millions of books and you, you've interacted with, literally, you, you've touched hundreds of millions of lives in the world and and you, you're at an age where some people start thinking about retiring and, and kicking back and, and playing golf every day. Why does Max Lucado still get up every day and, and pastor people and mentor people and write books and... What keeps you going, Max? Well, if you if you could see my golf game, you'd know I don't want to play every day. <laughs> <laughs> I do love golf, though. Um, you know, I I'm healthy. Uh, I love I love what I do. Uh, Lee, I love I love the church. I, I, I get frustrated because we tend to make things real complicated in, in religion. Um, so that that's that's a challenge, but I still down deep have a love for the people, love the church, love what the church is up to. Uh, I, I I don't see changing. Uh, I, I'm in a good balance. I, I feel like I'm not overworked or overstressed in what I do. Uh, and as long as I, 
as long as I feel like people are happy when I stand up to preach, then I think I'll preach. That that day could come that, you know, maybe I get too, uh, I don't know, old or weak or whatever, and I'll be happy to move into a new chapter at that point. But but I really love what I do. Uh, I, I have slowed down some. I don't, I don't uh, preach all year anymore. I, I preach six months out of the year. And that, that makes a huge difference. That gives you time to back away and regroup when you're not preaching and prepare uh, the next batch of lessons. Uh, and, and so I, I would say that I'm doing the most what I love to do. And, and that is as uh, much as I could ever ask for. That's beautiful. We look forward to everything you have coming up um, in, in your next book, because every book that you write is, uh, has made a difference in my life, Max. And, and I know for many other people listening out there. The last thing I want to ask you, Max, is it, there, there's inevitably there's somebody out there listening who they're just stuck. They're stuck in some place in their life. Uh, something in the past is holding them back or they're scared about something in the future. How, how do you help those people um, decide to start today to, ma- to make something different tomorrow than it's been in the past? Okay. that's a, Again, you ask such great questions. Uh, you know, it, what I do is very similar to what you do, Lee, as a physician. Uh, when I sit down and talk to somebody, I go through a spiritual analysis of their life, just like a person might take a physical. Uh, we're, we're systematic by nature. If, if there is uh, a headache, there's a reason there's a headache. And trying to determine the source of that and not just treat the symptom is, is really what we're all about, trying to find the source of our hurts. Uh, where I like to go is, is I like to go back and help a person examine their belief system uh, because I believe that our beliefs create emotions and those create actions. Uh, and so I go back and I help a person say, now, what is your fundamental belief system? Uh, do you believe there is a God? And if you believe there is a God, do you believe he's a loving God? And if, and, and if he's a loving God, is he a gracious God? Everything it, it goes back to, to their belief system. Because if they're dealing with, for example, if they're dealing with uh, inordinate fear or if they're living in stress, all of us have fear and all of us have stress. But inordinate perpetual fear and stress is not healthy. Uh, and if a person is facing anxiety 24 hours a day, uh, you know, you can treat that with some medication, and, and that's very appropriate. And then in addition to that, you can treat that with an analysis of their belief system. So maybe you don't really believe that God is in control. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe you believe it's all up to you. So let's go back and look at what the Bible says about God's sovereignty and God's grace. Uh, and I like to help a person go back to their belief system. I have, I have an agenda. I believe the healthiest belief system says God is sovereign and God is gracious. I mean, those are like two pillars, two tent poles that hold up everything else. And where a person does not believe God is sovereign, and if a person does not believe God is gracious, then that's going to spin off and create certain emotional problems or fears. Uh, And so I try to help a person go back and say, now, do you really believe God is sovereign? And do you really believe God is gracious? If so, believe it, trust it. And rather than giving in to the anxieties on day to day, uh, when you feel the anxiety come up, go back and look at that truth. God is sovereign. Or when you fail, instead of giving in to guilt, go back and look at grace and forgiveness and treat those emotions uh, with, with truth. Treat them with truth. But if a person doesn't believe a God is sovereign, person doesn't believe God is gracious, I don't have a whole lot I can give them, yeah. you know. Uh, 
but so so that's why our faith is is so important. Uh, and and uh, can't remember how I got on this from this question, but that, that it's 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 kind of how I think when I sit down with somebody. And I've over the thirty years that I've done it, I found that those are the two things that help people the most: a belief in a sovereign God and a belief in a gracious gracious God and a healthy belief system. Beautiful, Max. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, really, always a pleasure to be in your presence and hear from you. And just, uh, I wish you the best in your family. And, and uh, we've, we've been talking about my books, and you know, I love your book. You know, I really do, and I and I hope that. Uh, if any of your readers or listeners haven't yet read it, boy, they ought to. They ought to. Uh, and catch me up. I think you're working on a new project, right? Um, I'm working on a lot of things. <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to write fiction and, and uh, just trying to trying to understand how to help people uh, in this day and age um, because I realized that I could help a lot more people with uh, words and, and the Internet than I can with my hands in the operating room. So, Well... The beauty of working with words uh, is that you really go upriver, don't you? you? You go up upstream to where a lot of people's problems start. Uh, I, I know uh, I, I say this often in, in marriage counseling. Uh, by the time somebody comes to me for advice on their marriage, the problem is so big, it's just next to impossible to solve. Right. I always will say, could you not have come to me six months ago or two years ago? Uh you got to go upstream where people's thought processes are beginning. And, and the, that's the beauty of books. And uh, it, you just have that opportunity to do so. Wow. Thank you for that wisdom too, Max. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'll do it. Thank you. Thank you. Hope I can do it again. Thanks for letting me be a part of the program. Thank you. God bless. God bless you. Wow. What a great conversation. Thank you, Max, for taking the time to be with us on Ustar today. I've never heard anyone lay out the basics of the Christian faith as clearly and plainly as Max did in that interview. Friend, if you're a person who has always thought there were many paths to God, I want to encourage you to think about what Max said. There are not many paths to God. There's actually only two. There's not one way to God. There's two. One says, I'm going to save myself. And the other is, I'm going to let God save me. Listen, I've tried to save myself. It doesn't work. And when life makes war on you, and it will eventually, we need to know where to hide. We need to know where the safe places are. And there's only really one safe place. And I believe that safe place is in Jesus Christ. If we decide we can't save ourselves, that means we have to trust somebody else to do it. Max summarized perfectly why we can trust Jesus to be that savior and to answer the two big questions of life, the question of guilt and the question of the grave. The Christian faith is not an allegiance to a religion, but it's an allegiance to a person, to a being, to Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't try to defend everything that has been done in the name of Christianity through the years. It nauseates me as much as it does anybody. Uh, I believe that the Christian faith is really a, a pursuit of a relationship with God through this Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe that everybody's going to stumble and fumble in this and terrible things are going to happen. But uh, as, as I've grown in my faith, I've come to realize that that, that uh, core belief in the empty tomb uh, is enough. And, and you see, if I believe in the empty tomb, then that gives me ability to believe in what Jesus said about life. He becomes the authority for me. He becomes the authority. If, if I don't believe in the empty tomb, then I don't. Then someone else is the authority. I'm the authority, or society is the authority. But but for me, Jesus is the authority on how to have a great life, 
and where we're headed after life and all these huge questions. Uh, and so if he did vacate the tomb, then what he says about heaven is what I'm going to believe. What he says about uh, loving your enemy, that's what I'm going to believe. What he says about money, I'm going to try to obey that. I don't succeed always. But the big thing is that what Jesus says about forgiveness. And here's what separates Christianity from any other religion in the history of the world. Jesus uh, offered to die for our sins. And his, his, his teaching is that we cannot pay for our sins. We can't be good enough. But he was and he is. And his death on the cross was a substitutionary death. He, he took my place. And so uh, that, that leads me then to believe that not only uh, did he vacate the tomb, but he paid for all my sins. So those are the two big questions in life, guilt and death, the guilt and the grief. And so uh, that's, where I, that's where I land. If you've decided that the hard parts of life are reasons not to believe in God, Max would encourage you to rethink that. The Bible never says life will be easy, but it does give us the hope that everything will eventually be okay. Isn't that better? Well, the, the, the biblical answer to this is ultimately heaven. Ultimately, heaven is the answer to this. And, and the Bible never, ever, ever suggests that the world as it is is the way the world is intended to be. There's nothing in the Bible that would suggest that, well, this is as good as it gets. Everything in the Bible says, no, we're looking forward. Take heart, my friend. You've just heard the greatest news in the history of the world. God loves the world. This is huge news. This, in fact, this is the life-changing news. It's one thing to say God is. It is something else entirely to say God is love. To, to, to speak of the existence of God is great, but to speak of the existence of a gracious God, that changes everything. And so my contention is that the biggest and greatest news in the Bible and the biggest and greatest news in the history is, is not just that God knows me, but that God loves me. He's fond of us. You're everything to him. He cares deeply about you. And he's had more thoughts about you than, than you have hairs on your head and, and there, there are specks of sand on the beach. That's how much God loves us. And that is a life-changing discovery, Lee. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.